the Riverside Church podcast. This week's sermon is entitled Mind Over Matter and it's brought to you by Joanna Hargreaves. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Okay, good. So good to be with you. It's always good to be home. I totally, whenever I come here, I always think it's like being home. And um, I have a few, um, has anyone heard of the um, rule of life? It's like a monastic um, way of living. So you just kind of something, a few rules that you have. And one of mine is always wear waterproof mascara when you come to Riverside. It's not very spiritual, but it's very practical. And I know whenever I come into this place, I'm just like, oh, it's happening again. But I have learned. So I've got waterproof mascara on. Um, so I was praying on the way over. I've driven over from Lincoln this morning, which is where me and my husband um, lead um, one of the locations of Alive in the south of the city. Uh, we've got two little boys, and we're just in um, discussions at the minute about whether we should get a dog. So come up to me afterwards and give me your yay or your nay. Some people are shaking. Some people are very for it. So anyway, uh, that, that's by the by. But I was driving over, and I just had this psalm in my mind and I felt that God right at the beginning of this message wanted to remind us of how incredibly compassionate he is. I've been learning recently that the word compassion is literally in the Latin is to suffer with and I just wanted to remind us that God is incredibly compassionate with this this, this morning and um, Psalm 103 says this, the Lord is compassionate which means he suffers with you, however you've entered this place this morning, whether it's like Roger with a pole on your head and ready to tell the kids how to live for Jesus. By the way, I feel slight disappointment that I'm not doing something similar, but um, I'm going to have to leave that with Roger. Um, but however you've entered this place this morning, God is extremely compassionate towards you. Uh, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor Will he harbor his anger forever? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So I just wanted to just read the word at the beginning of my message this morning and remind us he's compassionate. Often when I hear messages about, um, about how we can be transformed and how we can step into a, a different, um, we can continue on our discipleship journey, I can kind of sit there and think, oh, fail, don't do that, messed up there, love is patient, fail, love is kind, fail, failed at 7.05 this morning when I trod on some Lego in the playroom, you know, uh, but I just want us to know that as we're talking about how we can continue in our discipleship that uh, this morning, and I'm going to be looking at this idea of our mind and our thoughts and how we can just continue to grow as disciples that God is incredibly compassionate to us this morning. So at Alive, I understand that you had Stuart, um, our senior pastor of Alive, come and speak a couple of weeks ago on spiritual wholeness. And we, we've been doing a wholeness series at Alive Lincoln, um, at Alive um, Church, and it's been great. We've been looking at wholeness spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. But before we did any of that teaching, the first thing we looked at was how we can have a wholeness mindset, how we can deal with what is going on in our mind in order for us to glorify 
God. And I love this intersection between scripture and science. I love it. Who knows? Science is always catching up with scripture. I love that. It's great to have my GCSE science teacher, Mr. Jones. I can never call him by his first name, but it's really good. I would say, hi, sir. Hi, sir. It's like, just call me David. Um, but it's great. And I've got a few little quotes that hopefully will impress you and, remember, and let you know that I did listen. I did listen all those years ago. But I love that intersection between science and scripture. In April, I will do my final year of um, counseling and psychotherapy, so I'll be able to qualify finally. I started doing that seven years ago, um, and it's taken me a while because there have been a few kids in between, but I love the intersection of it all, but I love that as much as we're finding out in the world of psychology and science and neuroscience, it's all here. Every time we hear this great new bit of pioneering research about how our brains aren't fixed, how they're neuroplastic, which means that they can change, and we know that we can take our thought, thoughts captive, I think, oh, that's great. But Solomon was telling me that 3,000 years ago. You know, it was right back at the beginning of Scripture, from beginning, right from the beginning, right to the end of Scripture, God tells us how to use our minds. So we're going to be looking at this intersection and just looking at this idea of our thoughts because the more I know God, the more I know that he wants his people whole. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be whole in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. That's what brings glory for, to him. People gathering together, knowing exactly who he is and who they belong to, and then scattering out into the world. And I think if we're going to nail this, there's some work that we've got to do in our minds. And I don't say this as somebody who's really nailed this. I say this as somebody who understands that God is compassionate to me, that God is with me as I wade through this, sometimes getting it right, sometimes getting it horribly wrong. But we're all on a journey, aren't we? So we're going to look at this idea of thoughts. Have we got any overthinkers in the house? Anyone who, uh, great, we've got some hands up, people who are thinking about whether they should even answer the question. You're overthinking about whether you're even an overthinker, but um, I'm definitely an overthinker. And I, I love studies and research, and the National Science Foundation did a brilliant, a huge study on thinking and thoughts, probably around a decade ago, really comprehensive study, produced some really brilliant research. And um, the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts going on, firing off in your mind. Now, when my husband and I were looking through this research, he pointed at himself and said 12,000 at the same time that I pointed at myself and said 60,000. But, you know, maybe that's how it goes. But out of those thoughts, around 85% of those thoughts are negative thoughts. That's what the science conducted. A huge proportion of thoughts and negative thoughts. Now, who knows, as followers of Jesus, we should be the 15, thinking the 15%. We should be the ones who are aligning ourselves with Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean that we ever need to censor ourselves. We never need to censor ourselves, our emotions, our thoughts. But what we do do is align them up to Scripture. Now, there's nothing that you've ever thought or ever felt that will separate you from the love of God. We know that, don't we? We read it. That nothing, no height, no depth, no angel, no demon, nothing, no thought. That's me paraphrasing. But nothing will separate us from the love of God. But as people who know Jesus, we should be thinking in a way that honors and glorifies him. So for out of those thoughts as well, 5% of them are new. Isn't that quite depressing? Day after day, we're thinking 95% pretty much the same stuff. 
but 5% of them are new. But then I'm learning that there's this brilliant principle, and I love the name of it. It's called neurogenesis, which means every time you wake up, you've got new brain, you've got new cells, new things in your brain ready for you to fill with good thoughts. Doesn't that just remind you of that scripture? His mercies are new every morning. Every morning when you wake up, you have even increased capacity to think better thoughts that are in line with scripture. And this issue of our mindset and our perspective is hugely important. It's actually the thing that I feel most passionate about at the minute is allow is kind of working with people to get them to align their thoughts to this. I believe as we're talking about huge statistics around mental health and anxiety and stress and depression, I believe some of it, not all of it, not all of it. Sometimes we do need to go to a doctor. Sometimes we do need to go to a therapist. Sometimes we do need to go to counselling. I strongly believe in that. But I believe that if we can begin to align our thoughts with this, that those statistics, those awful statistics around mental health will begin to come down. Now, Selwyn Hughes, I don't know if anybody remembers him. He died a number of years ago. But he says this, to win the battle of the mind is to win in one of the greatest areas of life. It is said that no real change can take place until a person's thinking is changed. We can come to work, we can come to church every Sunday, we can be in a home group, we can serve on teams, but unless we can begin to change our thinking, life will continue as normal. And I believe God is just showing us through science again and through all these new discoveries and how we can align that with the word. He's just showing us a different way to think. Proverbs 23 tells us, as a man or a woman, as, as a human thinketh in their heart, so are they. So is he. We can get stuck in thinking. We can go round and round in the same thinking, can't we? And I'm really into scientific discoveries. I said this earlier, but we know that it's always catching up with scripture. And the good news is, the good news this morning, I believe it's gospel good news, is that we're not at the mercy of our thoughts. Our mind is in charge of our matter. It's our brain that does the mind's bidding. And I'm going to explore that a bit in a, middle, in a minute. But God has given you, given us, an incredible gift with our minds. Our minds are such a gift. And maybe for some of us, they can feel like a curse sometimes, but they are an utter gift. But he's also given us very clear instructions through his word of how we can renew our minds, how we can fix our minds, and how we have the ability to take our thoughts captive in order that we can pursue this John 10.10 life that Jesus talks about, life in all its fullness. And I believe that really starts with what we're thinking about. So I've got three points, and the first one is this. It's to renew your mind. And it's from Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or I would paraphrase that as don't think like the world thinks. We're different. We do not have to think. We know Jesus. We do not have to align our thoughts with what the world says, with what the doctor says, with what the teacher says. We can align our thoughts with Scripture. So don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I love that word, transformed. And I mentioned this in the, chapel, in the um, service you have before at 9.15. Absolutely loved being there and just singing some great old hymns. Um, but the word doesn't tell us to change. Oh, sorry, Roger, I feel like I'm contradicting what you're saying now. We'll have a chat about this afterwards, actually. I was just going to say that change by its nature is changeable, but transformation means we're totally and utterly transformed. Is that all right, Roger? 
It's all right. It's, it's not sure. We'll talk about it afterwards. If you see us having an intense chat over a cup of tea, that's what we're talking about, or whether I should get a dog. It could be either. Um, so do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Hey, good news. God doesn't want us to scrabble around in the dark with what his will is for our life. He doesn't want us scrabbling around in the dark. He wants us to know his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. That's great news, isn't it? Isn't that just great, liberating news? He's not in a game of cosmic hide-and-seek with us. He's revealing himself to us. And it says that starts with us being able to renew our mind. So in order to experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will, we need not only faith to believe, but a change in our thinking process by what the world calls renewing, by what the word calls renewing our mind, and which we are able to do. I touched on this at the beginning, science catching up with scripture. We know now that the, that the brain is neuroplastic, which means plastic from the same origin of the word plasticine. It's moldable, it's changeable. You might have been brought up in a very negative household. You might have been brought up thinking all kinds of repetitive thoughts. You might think, oh, that's how my mother used to think. That's how my father used to think. But God says, and his word says, but it doesn't have to continue like this. There's just something about the grace of how our brain is knitted together that you can begin to literally change the way your brain is wired together. And Mr. Jones, I'm pleased you're here as I read this scientific quote that I read from the Neuroscience of Behavior Change. But neuropathways, they're comprised of neurons connected by dendrites, created in the brain, da 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 da, da. But as people participate in new activities or in new ways of thinking, they are training their brain to create new neural pathways. The pathways get stronger with repetition until the behavior is the new normal. That is absolutely my experience of coming into church. I thought like this, then I began to read the scripture, then I began to read the, to declare the songs, and something in my brain began to change. Isn't it great that even as we sing worship songs, we're declaring truth, and our brain is rewiring itself according to truth? How good is that? That we can pick up the word, and we can declare, I'm not going to think like the world, I'm going to think according to the word, I'm going to read this scripture, I'm going to declare this scripture, and as you do, it's not some kind of ethereal spiritual thing you're doing, it's a very practical thing that is outworking itself in your brain. How good is that? So when I put my eldest boy to bed, we do this thing called the copy prayer. He goes, mummy, can we do the copy prayer? And I'm like, yes, of course we can. And so I say, thank you, God, that you're good and kind. And he'll say it. Thank you, God, that you're compassionate, that you're slow to anger. Thank you that your mercy follows me. And his little neuroplastic brain is wiring itself according to that truth. Isn't that great? How we can just pass that on from generation to generation. But you don't just need to do that when you're six. It's when you're 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and 20, 30, 40 for the whole of our human experience. Our brain, our thoughts just have a way of going off on their own. And we need to keep rewiring them to scripture. If we don't, that's when we start feeling anxious. It's when we start feeling stressed overwhelmed. It's when our discipleship journey gets incredibly compromised because we're not thinking the right thoughts. It's when I'm getting road ragey, when I'm getting frustrated because there is no unexpected item in the bagging area, but I'm getting very stressed about some voice telling me that there is one. But I realize 
mm, what, what have I been thinking? I need to do a bit of rewiring in my brain. Discipleship starts with our thoughts. We're not at the mercy of our thoughts. Our mind is in charge of our matter, and that matters. Our mind is in charge. Our brain does the mind's bidding. When we think a thought, that's, it releases all kinds of things in our body. And I just love the way that God's made us so fearfully and wonderfully made. But I love the way that he's given us instructions again and again and again. Renew your mind. Fix your mind. Take your thought captive. Set your mind. It's amazing. So imagine if we began to rewire our brains and thoughts according to scripture and God's word. You know, we all have stories that we tell ourselves. We all have an inner internal working model through which we see the world. We all have our own stuff. But if we can just be aware of the power of our mind and how what's going on in our thoughts affects our body, it affects us physically, it affects our spirits, it affects our souls, our will and our emotion. And we must begin to get God's word into our minds because his word is a double-edged sword it cuts through things. It cuts through lies. It cuts through generational rubbish. It cuts through baggage that we've been carrying around with us decade after decade. His word is a double-edged sword. We read it in Hebrews 4.12. His word is a lamp to our feet. It helps us to see things clearly. When we've totally and utterly lost perspective, my husband tends to have the same level of perspective all the time, and I really respect that in him. I don't. I honestly lose perspective sometimes. Maybe you can relate to that. I often lose perspective. I have to get myself back into the word again to get truth and perspective into my thinking. Psalm 119, it's a lamp to our feet. I love one of the interpretations says, it illuminates my life. Does anyone else need their life illuminating by the word of God? I do, otherwise I get into this horrible navel-gazing, which is just, I get into philosophy. We don't, need, we don't need snazzy philosophy, we need really good theology. That's what we need. When we go thinking philosophical, we need to, philosophically, we need to realign ourselves with scripture and get some really good theology into us. And I said this, I, I often say this, when we do that, it benefits everybody. If, if, if I'm not happy in my house, evidently nobody really seems to be that happy in my house. If the mama ain't happy in the house, ain't nobody happy in the house. That seems to be a rule in my house. Maybe it's the same in yours. So we have to take responsibility. That's lovely. Whenever I say that, I always see people nudging each other. That's you. That's you, that is. That's you. Remember, the Lord is compassionate to us. He is slow to anger. But God's word is a weapon. It is a weapon. When those lies come, and they do, they do. What's the... If I... I think the enemy loves to infiltrate our mind. But when the lies of the enemy come, we have a weapon with the word of God that illuminates, that gives us scripture, and it is a weapon that we can use and wield when we feel overwhelmed by our thoughts. And I wrestle with scripture. I've wrestled with scripture ever since coming to know Jesus. If you're wrestling with scripture, that's okay. I think it's okay to wrestle with it a bit. But I've come to know that nothing transforms me like reading the word of God. I can hear all different theologies about scripture, and um, whether it's all the word of God or not, I believe this is the word of God. And I believe that nothing transforms me like opening my word, opening the word and reading it. And I believe that's the same for all of us. So our thoughts are powerful. They're not futile. They're not inconsequential. They're powerful. They create neurological and physiological shifts in our body. And our thoughts, our thoughts are our connection, really, aren't they, between our inner world and the outside world. 
sometimes what it spills out of us. You can tell people we've not been thinking good thoughts. We, it spills out of us in negativity or things that come out of our mouth. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. But it, I believe God wants to transform our mind and that the more we are transformed, the more we get to experience his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So firstly, we need to renew our minds. The second point is that we need to set our minds. And this is from a scripture in Colossians 3, and I love it. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the hand of God. Set your mind on earthly things. No, don't do that. Set your minds above. Don't do that. That's undermined everything I've just said. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, oh, I love this, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 1, 14. So we're to set our minds not on earthly things, but to set our minds on things above. Setting our mind is like a verb-based sentence, isn't it? It's something that we have to do. We have to be proactive about how we think. We cannot let any old thoughts come into our mind and entertain them and expect to be full of the joy of the Lord. We're not going to do, we can't do that. We need to be proactive about setting our minds. We have to do some work on it. Colossians tells us that we died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. To die is to surrender our self-rulership and our own way of thinking to the rulership of God. To die is to surrender our self-rulership, thinking our own thoughts, allowing whatever we want to go on in our mind and to run rampage and surrendering, surrendering it for the rulership and the thinking of God. And God has given us his word as his rulership and of his way of doing things, his way of thinking. And dying to yourself is really hard work. It's hard work. It takes work. And you need a plan to be able to do that. But one of the things that we can do, this is a great strategy that I've been learning with little bits of training here and there as I talk about this intersection between psychology and neurobiology and scripture, is that one thing we can do when we find that our thoughts have slipped off track, often you can just, I find I'm just driving along and I think, oh, I, feel, I feel awful. I feel really like this sense of impending, foreboding doom. And then I think, oh no, what, what have I been thinking about? I just begin to trace how I'm feeling, how I'm experiencing life as a human to what's been going on in my head. And there's something that you can do. If you can just begin to just notice what you've been thinking about and that your thinking has slipped off track, it does something amazing in your brain. What it does is it takes you from this kind of back part of your brain, which is all about survival. It's where you will fear anger, where you feel anger, fearful. It's where confrontational, upset, tense, frantic, victimized. That's all our thinking here. And just noticing that we're beginning to feel those things, just thinking, hold on, I'm beginning to feel. I'm stressed. I'm frantic. I'm anxious. This isn't God's plan. This isn't John 10, 10. This is how I'm feeling. When just beginning to notice does something, it turns on something called, um, it, it turns on a nerve in our body um, that's essential, and it allows us to begin to think from the best part of our brain. And this is where we can be attuned, where we can be empathetic, 
open-hearted, engaged, and curious. And I just love the way God has made us so brilliantly and beautifully complex. My husband argues that some people are more complex than others. And I'm like, well, that's why you love me. But I do think some, that, that we're all pretty complex, aren't we? We're all complex humans. But there's just something that when we realize we slipped off into this negative thinking. And this isn't just a motivational message. This is scripture Based. This is what the word tells us again and again with regards to our thinking, is that we are to be aware of it. That's when we live our life to the full. That's when we glorify God the most. But we begin to switch. Just noticing it allows us to think from the best part of our brain when we can, instead of being stressed and anxious, we can become curious. So, for example, when my three-year-old the other day emptied every bit of pasta, every bit of couscous, every bit of rice all over the floor, I thought, hmm, I'm not going to think from the back part, back, back part of my brain and go, why are you doing this to me? Why? Oh, I've just tidied the whole house and swept it. I can go, oh, darling, I'm so curious as to why you would do that. And then my heart rate would come down and Jesus would meet me there and the angels would sing. But it does begin, it does begin when we confuse these things together and undergird them with the way of God. Like science and scripture aren't equally weighted. Everything is undergirded by the word and the truth of God. But the good news is we are not at the mercy of our thoughts. Our mind is in charge of our matter and that matters. When we're not aligning our thinking with truth, we become trapped in negativity, anxiety, stress, shame. And Brené Brown, I'm not sure if you've heard about her, she's a brilliant woman who does lots of research um, around shame, actually. But she says that when we're in this state of feeling anxious, stressed, negative, we are unfit for human consumption. I don't know, sometimes I feel unfit for human consumption, and I realize it's because of what I have allowed to be going on in my brain. The enemy will do anything to keep you from being unfit for human consumption. Now, you're always fit for God, because God is kind and gracious and compassionate. But the enemy loves to trip us up again and again and again, to kill, to, st to, kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life in all of its fullness. And this means learning to think differently. And I think God gives us permission to get a bit practical about this and to really earth it. So when he's telling us to fix our eyes on things above, it's not really just to sit there thinking about heaven all day and to disregard our life right here, right now. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about changing what we think. I think it's about monitoring what goes on in our brain. I think it's about bringing our brain and our thoughts under his lordship and under the word of God. And he even in Philippians 4 gives us a great model for what this looks like. And I love this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. It's the same thing as setting your mind. It's practice. It's a verb. It's something we need to do. And research shows that unless we do something 78, 46, 78 hours, 48, 76 hours after hearing something, we're very likely to put it into practice. So I believe there's a practical application for this message. What are we going to do to manage our thoughts? Maybe you've absolutely nailed it. If you have, congratulations that is brilliant that's so good some people have just been so some people just really nail this stuff 
if, you, if you've done that, please come and give me some advice. But for some of us, just because we're human and broken, we just need to continue to put strategies in place in order to, to manage our thoughts. So we need to renew our mind. We need to set our mind. And very lastly, as I finish, we need to use our mind. Scripture tells us, I've said this again and again, we're not at the mercy of our minds. We have the God-given ability to renew our minds, to choose our thoughts, and to take our thoughts captive. I love this scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we are told to demolish it in our thinking. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. And we read in 1 John, who's Christ? The Word. In John, in the beginning was the Word. We take our thoughts, we make it obedient to Christ. Christ, Jesus, the Word. We have the ability to do this. Again, we're learning this now, that we have the ability to stand outside of ourselves and think, I'm not going to think that. And we have the absolute ability to be able to capture our thoughts. I've learned to do this, and I don't always get it right. Often at nighttime, when I'm just falling asleep, and you know all of those what-ifs, what if that happens? I'm learning to think, I'm not going to think that way. Something else I learned, which is just, again, so scriptural-based, comes from Philippians 4, is that when we feel anxious, the antidote to that is gratitude. Our brains cannot be anxious and gracious and grateful at the same time. They just can't do it. Doesn't that just remind you, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, bring your thanksgiving to God. He's telling us, if you start to feel anxious, if you start to feel that sense of foreboding of what might happen, if we can then just push into gratefulness, then something changes at a very cellular level in our brain and in our bodies. Isn't that amazing? We're so fearfully and so wonderfully made. And please hear, that doesn't mean you have to censor yourself. You never have to censor yourself before God. You can go to him with your whole self and your whole breadth of human emotion. And then I believe once we've gone to him with that, he will just begin to give us the strategies to manage our thoughts that we have the ability to stand ourselves or outside ourselves, observe our own thinking, and align it so it is obedient to God. Just because we think something doesn't mean we have to think about it. Our brains are wired. Our brains are wired for positive, actually. They're wired to think positively. They're wired for connection and love and to meditate on good things. So the question really, as I finish, is this. What's going on in our mind? I think as we follow Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of him, we need to be mindful of what... Let's not let the world steal that term, by the way. Let's nick it right back because the world's trying to pinch it from, from us and make it into everything that it wasn't. We'll just be mindful of what is going on in our mind and know that if we need a prescription of anything, what we need is a prescription of the word daily, three times a day, five times a day, write it on your fridge, put it on your phone. However we get it in, into us, into our thinking, into our minds, that's how we are designed to be wired. So I just would love to pray as I finish and just suggest a few things. I mentioned earlier that unless we action this within 48 to 76 hours, it's very unlikely we're going to do anything about it. And I believe God wants us whole. He wants us whole in our body, in our soul, 
and in our spirit. And I believe that comes from obedience, being obedient to his word. It's not easy to think right. It's easy to let your mind run rampant. It's so much easier, but we don't reap. We reap what we sow. And that's true in our minds. So obedience in prayer. If we struggle with our mind, get somebody alongside us. There's so many, so many brilliant people in this place who can come alongside you and pray for you. Janine mentioned earlier that they're doing, that you're doing the Freedom in Christ course again. That's brilliant for this kind of stuff. Meditation, and again, that's another thing I want to pinch back from the, wor- from the, from the world, is being able to meditate on his word, get, his, get scripture into us every day, and this idea of declaration, that we declare truth, we declare who he is, we declare who we are, and we speak it out loud and just know that something is happening in our spirit and in our body and our soul when we do that. So I'd love to pray before I hand back to Helen, and um, then we'll take it from there. So God, I thank you for how you've made our minds. I thank you that you've knitted us together fearfully and wonderfully. I thank you, God, that you meet us in our thoughts and that you've given us the very ability to take these thoughts captive. Thank you, God, that you've given us guidelines and a truth that we can align our thinking with. And I pray, God, that you would help us to walk this out. I thank you for those who've been doing that for years and that they've really nailed this stuff or made headway in it. And I pray for those of us that might be scrabbling around in the dark a little bit. May your word illuminate your truth. And I want to declare health over people's thoughts in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.